Welcome to True Nature Radio. I'm Laurie Regan. And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. Today we're going to talk about the heart. We've been on a series now of talking about the organ networks in Chinese medicine. We've talked about the lung and the large intestine, the stomach and the spleen. And this week we're getting to what in some ways you could consider to be the main organ network, or at least the one that, is it right, Heiner, to say that it rules them all? You can refer to the heart as the emperor, right? Yeah, there's a famous uh, chapter 8 in the Huang Di Neijing, the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Medicine, that uh, starts out by saying that the heart is the emperor of all of the organ networks, or one could almost say the empress, because we will see it's a very female archetype. But you're absolutely correct in saying that the heart from a Chinese perspective and truly from an ancient wisdom science perspective, the heart always is described as that organ, that function that defines our humanity more than anything else. And that all of the other organ networks, certainly in the Chinese context, they are described as servants to the heart. Uh, so there is one chief and 11 servants. And in a certain way, you could say that all disease in the body can be described as if any of the other organs are not in servitude to the master anymore, but that they are wanting to be the emperor or the empress themselves. But so does that give us a sense that the heart is a dictator? No, the heart is a unifier that works in the background so that you cannot feel its presence at all. And so the story of the heart is the story of the effective leader, really, which is leading without being in the foreground, leading because everybody voluntarily, due to the love for the leader, wants to do its job well. Everybody, does it mean if the if the leader has an open heart, if the leader has everyone's best interests at heart, then people will love and honor the leader and really follow, do their job, like you're saying, follow Yeah, them. certainly so. And But um, let's maybe take it a step at a time and start with what is the function of the heart? You know, like, and how, how did ancient people describe it um, before we use the metaphor of a leader in a group? The, 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 there is a very significant sentence in the Shouwen Jiezi, the first, uh, one of the first dictionaries that the Chinese had from about 2,000 years ago that says, Xin Ren Xin Ye, the heart is the human heart. So we are not talking about the pump that drives the animal body, that is probably more the lung or the pericardium in Chinese medicine. Uh, so, um, Right, and the, the character for the heart the, doesn't even have a flesh radical. Maybe you could talk very about Very important here, very significant. The genius of the ancient Chinese to symbolically use things uh, and signs to describe function, energetic realities in the body is very precise when it comes to the heart. Uh, first of all, as you just mentioned, is most organ networks, they are signified by something, by a radical. And a rat, there's about 50,000 different um, 
Chinese characters. And but what they have in common is that they're only made up by 214 different building blocks that indicate major meaning. And uh, one of them is uh, flesh and blood and is um, the moon. And together it means the material world. So almost all of the other organ networks are written with a radical that indicates moon-like uh, existence or f it's something that is of flesh and blood and affects the flesh and blood part of reality and only the heart is written without that so right there it tells us that the heart is a not the physical pump that we have in our chest and b it is something that metabolizes if you will or works with realities that are not the flesh and blood reality of our body. Great. And that relates to it being the empress as well, right? The one that kind of functions, we've talked before about yin and yang. And in this sense, the heart really, could you say that it it is more of the energetic foundation related to the other organ networks? Is it right to say that? Or? Well, at this point, let's bring in a visual. Um, many of us know this yin-yang symbol that is called the Taiji Tu, where also the the, the uh, martial arts that we call Taiji Quan, um, the, the Taiji boxing comes from. And that is like a, the Chinese call that the yin-yang fish because you've got this white and the black uh, fish-like shapes pressing against each other. And the place, so the, this is describing that everything in the world is dual in a certain way, and then you've got one life force that is that has two different phases, namely because yin and yang are never two different things. They're just two different states of being of the same life force. And what the Chinese call yang is that life force expands, and as it expands, it becomes less and less matter and is uh, more functional in nature, and then as it condenses, it becomes more uh, effective or becomes matter itself. And um, so you that's all of life is like that, is a sine wave. It's expand, contract, expand, contract, day and night, light and dark, warm and cold, non-matter, matter, and um, life and death. And so the place where these two fish touch, where yin and yang come together, that is the place where the heart is situated on the map that we've been talking about. This is we, we in the fifth months on, on, on the time-space map. We are here in the fifth lunar months of the year, which is approximately the time from June 5th to July 5th on the ancient Chinese calendar. Uh, with the summer solstice being smack in the middle. And that's what the solstice is. It's the place that all ancient cultures celebrated as the forces of light and uh, dark, the forces of life and death, the, the forces of expansion of the life force and the contraction of the life force coming together. So the theme, the overwhelming theme that we find here is unity of yin and yang. The, all of the, the organ systems we've been discussing so far, all of the months in nature from the first months to the fourth months that we've been discussing so far, from February to May, has been an effort of nature to 
produce the material world and within that individuate itself. Different plants looking different, tasting different, different animals having different characteristics and so on. And now comes this shift in now that all of this glory has been produced, uh, nature shifts gears and it sacrifices, it gives up all of this and is creating unity or is reminding all creatures that this is not the most important thing, but that uh, it is time now to remember what we all have in common. And the function in the body now that we call the heart is the imitation of this natural function, namely the yearning for unity and the remembrance of what is truly important in life. And I can't help but notice and remark on the fact that the United States was officially born during the time of the heart, very relevant perhaps for what's what's going on in the world right now and the discussions that we're having in this country about division and separation and materialism versus the deep need to move back in the direction of unity. All discussions, and this is the beautiful thing about these ancient systems, is you don't need to be a physician to benefit from that. It's a system science, and that is right. Uh, the discussions that we find in society right now on all levels in all countries have a lot to do with the heart because in the last 100 years, industrialized living and modernization has created, has, has very, and, 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 and uh, scientific materialism has created a world uh, of separation in a certain way, both in a positive sense, namely that we more than ever before have had a detailed science that can catalog and assess and count uh, an inventory, so to speak, the material uh, that is existent on this earth and in this cosmos. Uh, but now there's almost sort of a fatigue of that and people are yearning. And certainly my patients are saying, this is all there is, is raising my kids and paying my mortgage and and waiting to die. I, I feel empty, you know. So that is the voice of the heart is Let's come to the gather as a community around this table, around this altar, and remember what is truly important in life, what is truly important for us to do together in, in this incarnation. So are there more general themes? We've talked about the themes associated with the other organ networks. Yeah, I mean, certainly the the main symbolism here and the symbolism of the fifth month, we can look at the the number five itself is combination of two and three, uh, the first yin number two that is static and not moving, the first um, yang number three, a movement, um, the, un, the, the uh, odd numbers always trying to create movement to reach the stability of the next step. So you've got five is in a, in a certain way the number of love, two plus three, yin plus yang creates unity. So five is the number of unity, which is the coming together of two different sides as one in love, magnetically attracted to each other. And what is happening during this month is that other than the summer solstice that the Chinese call xia zhi, which is literally means culmination during the summer, 
you know, so also all, it's a very sexual topic, actually. The heart has a lot to do with blood and hormones and love and sexuality because in a certain way it's a, a, a joining of the two different parts of the year, a making love of the two different parts of the year, and then a climaxing, an orgasmic climaxing. Xia literally means the coming uh, during the summertime. So there is sort of an orgiastic, and you see the uh, summer solstice celebrations are very often uh, are orgies, you know, the, mm-hmm. with big bonfires and people quite literally, you see medieval reports of uh, couples uh, disappearing behind the bushes, etc. So this is a, a, a uh, human, uh, an acting out in the human realm. What is happening in the in the uh, cosmic realm? The interesting topic, however, is the next one, which is the second two week node in that month. The Chinese call that Mangzhong, and Mangzhong means death and rebirth. And it is on a just a material level, it's referring to the death of the wheat because the wheat gets harvested here and the rice, the glutinous rice gets planted here. But that is really the certain spiritual masters that I had the privilege of listening to. Uh, they all say the same thing, no matter whether they're Sufi or Buddhist or Taoist or Confucian, namely, you have to die before you die. That means if you want to live fully in this lifetime, you need to let part of your ego that is attached to all of the patterns and all of these uh, clinging to the material world and all of your addictions, uh, whether they are of a uh, substance or food nature or just a habit nature, need to let go of those fears and then you can be truly reborn and fulfill your mandate as a human being, which is be in direct communication with the harmony of the spheres, with the cosmic spirit realm, as the Chinese would have said, or in a religious voice, you know, you, uh, religious language, it would be you are communicating and listening directly to the voice of God. And um, beautifully, the Chinese have laid out here uh, in the division, in the five-day division of these two-week nodes or of this month, is they're all topics or animals that are animals of prey and that get eaten themselves. For instance, the praying mantis. So you've got this image of an animal that quite literally looks like it's praying. That's one meaning of praying mantis. Uh, folding its hands together and being in a in a state of uh, rapture, uh, but then secondly, it's an animal of prey that eats cicadas, etc., and eats even its, its own self. husband <laughs> after mating. So it's this gruesome. So the cycle of life and death, and the beauty that is in it, and the deep acceptance in it, because the Chinese didn't look at death and sacrifice and killing as just something ugly, because Life is about living and dying. Death is part of life. And unless we accept death as a part of life, it will never fully live. And so that is why symbolically they put of all of the different things that are happening in nature here, the Chinese put the praying mantis and the uh, sh- the shrike and the, the butcher bird 
you know, that quite literally create a grisly shrine when they hunt their animals like frog heads. They spear them up on, they, they create so-called larders when you find a, a tree that is inhabited by such a bird. They have like different animal parts like um, a spear there and it looks quite gruesome as if it's a shrine, as if this animal is doing sacrifice to worship to some invisible nature spirit. Uh, so the remembrance of who we are as being uh, but a small um, grain in the working of an overall universe and that our real mandate is remembrance of where we come from and praising that creative force that created us in the first place is what you find in all ancient traditions uh, surrounding the summer solstice and, of course, the heart here. Yeah, and so these animals you're talking about, Heiner, the praying mantis and the shrike and the butcher bird, they're, as you said, related specifically to these nodes, these two-week periods, as opposed to the overall month, right? Yeah, the Chinese are extremely specific. So you've got 12 months of the year, and each one of these months is divided into two-week periods that we Mm -hmm. just discussed, the summer solstice is two weeks, and um, called xiazhi, and then the... uh, death and life period is two weeks and each one of these periods is divided again into five days and these are the praying mantis is born uh, the butcher bird uh, starts singing or the shrike uh, stops singing etc so there is a uh, yeah a quieting happening in nature and and a and a and a new life starting. So, but that life now is an inner life. It is a spe- quieting down of the outer activity and a, a starting of another type of inner activity. So if we look at the whole month, then, with the other organ networks, we've talked about other associations, including the animal that's associated with the whole organ system or the month. And in this case, it's another prey animal, correct? The horse is the animal very directly associated with the heart? The horse is the animal symbol that the Chinese chose very wisely to represent the function that we've been discussing here that the Chinese call the heart. And why that is is from my perspective, and you find this in all ancient cultures, is that the heart, as we've said, what makes us human is the heart. And the heart is what makes us a sentient being. And there is no other creature, save for the human being itself, in the universe that in a way is more sentient, more acknowledging of spirit, than the human being, and that has this direct relationship with humans. So uh, there is the, uh, interestingly, there is another organ that has a lot to do with the heart that the Chinese call the pericardium, and we've got the dog there as the animal. We'll come to that later. But it's the dog and the horse, especially the horse, that is human's best friend, because it it is able to, A, acknowledge the mastership, see the master, and, and, and particularly the horse is needs to respect the master in order to be able to listen to it. 
And uh, when I was a little boy, I read uh, Karl May, which is a famous 19th century German author writing about the American West and writing about Arabia. But all of these stories always are about the connection between humanity and his or her horse. And riding horses without a saddle by whispering something into the horse's ear or communicating almost telepathically directly with the horse. So this telepathic communication is a function of the heart. Us with the universe and us with each other. Right, even in some cultures it's horses that create the connection between the human and the divine, correct? In Islam, Muhammad made the night journey on a horse. Other examples of that exist. You Google horse symbolism, there's so much symbolism there. The Mongols, they buried their horses just like they would bury their humans, even the same cemetery or with their their human master. And um, because there was so much respect for the the value and the spirit of the horse. Um, Yeah, maybe, but you know more about horses than me and you've read a lot of books like the Tao of Equus or so. Maybe you have some additional insights why the heart is uh, well, the horse is such a beautiful symbol for the for the heart function here. I can highly recommend reading that book and its sequel. Uh, it's the Tao of Equus and Riding Between the Worlds, written by a woman, Linda Kohanoff, who um, grew up with horses and really, although she was in a career as a music critic, um, really started working very much with her horses and realized that the horses had this deep, deep connection and, and she could work with the horses in a therapeutic way to really help people find the places where they had wounding in their heart, the places where they were carrying a sense of separation and a sense of division. And the horses were are just brilliant at, I mean, as a prey animal, they have this ability to sense what's going on in the environment, to be very connected, to know if there's danger out there. But the flip side of that is to be totally connected with no sense of separation. And I think what you were talking about is that sense of connection and separation with the the master, as opposed to dominating the horse and trying to force it into what it's doing. There's this real recognition now that that there's a way that there can be this complete communion between the rider and the horse. Um, yes. And a, a very different kind of respect, and that... That the horse can play an ex, you know a very very um, valuable role in helping us as humans to find the places where we're not remembering our connection to the divine and find the place where we're not considering the benefit of the whole and not really in connection true connection with one another and that's one of the deep themes of the heart isn't it this divine connection and seeing the divine in everything. Yes, this is exactly the function of the heart, is what we, uh, like the term holism, and that's so related to the term holy also, is uh, what makes somebody holy is actually when they are truly whole, which means that unity function of the heart is fully present in them, and that means that everything you look at, you see the beauty, the light, 
that it is imbued with, and that of course includes also every situation, every person, even if it to our mind it seems like it's something negative. So the mind divides and creates separation and divides into good and bad, whereas the unity perspective of the heart is everything is just a phenomenon. And if you're able to look at it right, you see how beautiful the situation is and how helpful it is for transformation. As a physician, it is always our first and foremost task to make the patient aware of what a blessing this disease is. Yes, something is dying inside of us as we need to let go of something. Maybe even our body, maybe even we need to accept that this is it, that we need to die. But uh, it in that process, we can truly be reborn and fulfill our mandate as a human being and find real unity. So that is the most important thing, I think, in healing is to reconnect us and the patients to our heart and in that process become holy, see holiness, see see completeness, see purpose in everything around us. And um, there is then the topic of purity that comes with that, of course, and uh, this radical ability to cut through the red dust, as the Buddhist would say, meaning not being soiled and dragged down by the voices of the material world, but having this this light voice, that voice of the sacred, the voice of the holiness, that, that's the voice that the heart is holding. And uh, the, another beautiful symbol for that is that there is a chapter in the uh, Yellow Emperor's Classic of Medicine, uh, number 12, actually, that connects 12 rivers in the sacred landscape of China with the 12 rivers in our body, the 12 meridians and functional networks, the heart being one of them, and the river Ji, an ancient river in China connected with the heart. And that's a clear river that actually performs, according to legend, the miracle of crossing the huge yellow river that is all sullied uh, yellow, but then it flows through it and emerges clear on the other side. So G means the river that is able to cross over without being contaminated, so to speak. And that is the function of the heart. It helps us to cross over to our true humanity, true the realm of spirit, which is our real purpose in all. That's all the meaning of classic is actually trying to remind us of the heart, trying just just because we don't see it, spirit, uh, it doesn't mean it's not there. And uh, we've been so trained through the lens of scientific materialism and business, etc., and uh, to just count everything. Uh, the only thing that counts is matter, whereas from the voice of the heart is the voice of purpose, is the voice of uh, that which really matters and which we need to remember. Otherwise, we can never be fully healthy. Even now, there's a lot of research going on. The HeartMath Institute, for example, really uh, doing research showing that the heart actually is an organ of perception as well. We think we're trained, at least in this culture and many modern cultures, to honor our brains, right, our thinking capacity. But we're starting to now realize, I think, what the ancient people knew, which is there's a way to know, there's a way to truly know 
not just think, but to discern and know and perceive through the heart itself. The And, I mean, in the studies, it actually includes the physical heart, but we're relating this more to the energetic, to the, the symbol of the heart in Chinese medicine, that it has this deep, important... Precisely, uh, the Chinese word si, which means to think, is actually composed of the character uh, of the brain with the heart underneath. So even analytical thinking is not really possible from an ancient perspective if you do not have the unifying component of the heart in there. And uh, in all Kung Fu traditions, the perceiving through the eye and the lens of the heart is the most important thing, not through the lens of the brain. It's just occurring to me also that Chiron, the symbol of the wounded healer, is a centaur, right? Is a man connected, with a, the head of a man connected with the body of a horse. So it is the brain over the heart. Yeah, that is, of course, a Western right. astrology symbol, just to clarify that for our listeners. But absolutely, right. you find the symbolism going through all different traditions. And what we should say in conclusion about the heart, it is that which is most sensitive in our body. So all of the parts of us that are most sensitive, even the physical realm, like uh, the the places that people like to torture, uh, our erogenous zones, all of this belongs to the heart. So, uh, And that is because the heart is that which gets in touch, is supposed to get in touch and read directly the realm of subtleness which is non-material, so it needs to be sensitive. But we have a choice what we pick up, what we read with that. And so the big topic of the heart, and we need to continue this in the future when we go into the therapy and how all disease in some way comes from the heart, is that the stellar constellations above the fifth months, where the sun is in the fifth months in the ancient China, uh, some of them are called the Gui, the demon constellation. And the ghosts and the demons from an ancient perspective, they live in the heart just like our holiness lives in the heart. And we as humans have the choice. Do we listen to the voices of our ego and the voices of the material world and the voices of selfishness? Or do we listen to the voices of community and of selflessness and of uh, to the voice of the universe, so to speak, that reminds us who we really are and what we really should be doing in order to be fully healthy and happy. That question is a great place to leave this whole discussion about the heart. That's it for this week, this episode of True Nature Radio. I'm Lori Regan. And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. Be sure to join us next week when we discuss modern ramifications in clinical treatment of heart and how in some ways especially all chronic disease, is a manifestation of heart disease and what we can do in our everyday life, really, to heal our hearts. And if you want to find out more information about actually studying to become a practitioner of Chinese medicine, go to the website ncnm.edu. And if you want more specific information about the heart, the other organ networks, and about the classical foundation of Chinese medicine, you can go to Heiner's website, which is classicalchinesemedicine.org. See you next week. <laughs>